Welcome everybody back to the basement binge. I am stoked to be talking about Cruella. You saw the title, you clicked on it. This is a movie that I am surprised I'm this excited to talk about. So we will get into it immediately with two cents. So longtime listeners of the show, thank you for returning. Welcome back. If you are new, if this is your first episode, thank you so much for being here. I hope you enjoy it. Two cents is the first segment we always kick right off the episode with where I give my general reaction and thoughts about the film completely spoiler free. Normally I try to keep it within two minutes, but because of the rest of the segments being much shorter, two cents is going to be like 10 cents or something much longer. So let's just, again, this is spoiler free. I will let you know when we get into the spoilers, but I am just genuinely so excited to talk about this film. It's been over a week since I saw it initially. I saw it on Memorial Day with my family in theaters, and I was just amped after seeing it to the point where I convinced my wife's family that we needed to watch it, and we got it on Disney Plus, and we watched it all as a group in like our theater room, and that was also a blast, and I genuinely had a great time watching it both times, and so far, everyone I've watched it with has really, really, really enjoyed it. This is probably, I can confidently say, one of the most entertaining movies I've ever seen. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic or overhype it. It, it is just genuinely super entertaining and fun to watch. It's, it was one film that I was very excited to see. Like I mentioned, we got tickets on Memorial Day and it was a blast. Then we rewatched it because it was so good. And it, there's just something about it that is just pure entertainment in a way that I love. Now, super quick, before we go on any further, I also want to mention that it feels so good to be back in the theaters, in a room with people who are mutually excited to be there reacting and enjoying the same film with me. And maybe it's because it was Memorial Day, but the theater was much busier than it's been, and it just felt great to be in a room full of people safely enjoying a film that we were all excited to watch. It, it, it was awesome. It really does feel like movies are back. So welcome back to the movies, everybody. Anyway, we'll get on with my thoughts about Cruel and why I really believe that it's just like incredibly entertaining. It, it really is just purely a super entertaining film. The whole idea, the whole premise beside the film, the draw towards it is to see Emma Stone act as Cruel, right? Having a great actress chewing up the scenery as a really fun character. And the film delivers on that 110%. Literally everything about Emma Stone's performance, I love everything about her. Especially in this one th scene that is just acted so well, it made my eyes watery. And Emma's ability to just captivate your entire soul with her performance, even through this crazy character that is Cruella, is one of the most entertaining things about it. She isn't the only Emma tearing up the screen. Emma Thompson, as the antagonist, the Baroness, is also chewing up the scenery. The two of them 100% own these characters and make them so fun. And they play together well and play off of each other well. And the scenes they're in together are some of my favorite. These characters were written in a way that really leans into this entertainment side of their performances and allows them to just steal the show through these super duper fun characters. I just love it. The, the performances, and, and not just the two Emmas, but the, even the side characters, the performing, the performance in this film, I just love. The supporting cast really is great and super duper funny. They had me laughing a ton, specifically Paul Walter Hauser, Mark Strong, John McCree. They had me rolling constantly. Every performance is just extremely entertaining, and I can't help but love to watch these actors perform as these characters. And they really do disappear into these characters, and it, it's just great. 
I've been seeing articles all over the place that Mark Strong was almost a Bond villain for Daniel Craig. And after this film, I'm so sad that he isn't. I really wish he was. He, he's great in this. He, there's this one moment, that, or a few moments that just genuinely had me laughing so hard I almost had to pause the movie. It's, it's hilarious. But I've got to move on from the performances because I really could talk about them forever and I'm trying not to make this two cents super long. The other things that I love about it is, is the way that Greg Gillespie has been able to do the unthinkable. He and his creative team really found a way to make a Disney live-action reboot with creativity smeared all over it, right? It still has the, the patterns of the Disney remake, and I, and I love the Disney live-action remakes, but they feel a little bit printed in that they lack a lot of creativity and originality and artisticness behind it. They're fun but it, it lacks an originality, a creative vision by an individual style, if you will. And, and maybe it's because this is more of a reboot than it is a remake and that it's just kind of taking a character in completely new ways versus just like shot for shot, the same thing. But it definitely has some strong artistry all over it. And I'm totally impressed. A lot of people are talking about how not many other people have been able to have this directorial vision through the Disney live action era. And some people are saying the opposite, that there's glimpses of it. But for me, it was throughout the entire film. He just, he directs in a way that, that I mean, for example, Aladdin, the live action remake, is a film that I do love. I went and saw it twice in theaters because I really enjoyed it. But I had no idea that it was directed by Guy Ritchie until the credits rolled. Like, there's, there's no Guy Ritchie-ness about it, except for maybe like 30 seconds of it. So th this feels authentic to the creative team behind it. But I'm not done yet. It's not just Craig Gillespie. I mean, the camera work and editing are both super duper fun. Like the, all the elements of the film really lean into it being great entertainment. And they do that so well. The way the camera moves and the way the edit flows just, just pours out entertainment and, and fun. And I think that they really understood what they were making. I mean, another example, the music in this film is very, very interesting. There, there isn't much of a score because most of the film is just the 70s greatest hits. And I'm sure they spent a boatload of money on it. And I don't even know why they had the composer, who I'm forgetting their name, compose the score because it's just literally 70s hits one after another. And, it, and it's not something like a Suicide Squad where the music doesn't belong. This music actually fits and feels like a cohesive part of the edit and a part of the film. Even when a song is played for like 15 seconds and then stops, which happens a ton, which does get annoying, especially the first view. The second view, and because I knew it was happening, I was able to enjoy it a lot more the second time. But the first time, it was a little more annoying, like stop playing these for like 15 seconds. But either way, especially the second time I noticed this, but it also works the first time. Those songs work in place of a score in the way that they create mood and atmosphere and character and emotion, like the way that it adds to the performance and all the other aspects of the film, it works like a score. And I was listening to the soundtrack on Spotify while I was typing up this script here for this episode, and it immediately brought me right back to this gothic London that's created throughout the entire film. It, it just has this mood and atmosphere that it brings you right into. And it's not just because these, these songs do that, but because of the way that those songs were used really as a score, creating that throughout the film. And again, it was kind of annoying the first time I was watching it, they would just like start and then stop immediately. And the, it would start and be like, oh, this is a great song. Like I was excited to hear the rest of it. And then it stops. But the second time around, 
knowing what I was getting into there, I was really able to enjoy the way that it does add to the film cohesively. I mean, even the end credit song from Florence and the Machine is great and really brings you into the world. It's one of my favorite credit scenes in the way that it continues the feeling and the atmosphere and the tone of the film into the credits in a super duper fun way. It's a great credit song, especially during the credits. Now, what score is found in between those needle drops, which is extremely limited, does have some great light motifs that I noticed the second time around that I really, really enjoy. Now, of course, other things like the production design, that's top notch. I already kind of mentioned this gothic London, and that really creates this area where you feel like Cruella has opportunity to sprout up, that this gothic London makes sense that someone with black and white hair would, would come here. Now, the crown on all this, the, the big jewel, is the costuming and the hair and makeup. Uh, Jenny Beaven, or Baven, I hope I say, I'm saying her name right, the costume designer, she was hired by Gillespie after he saw Mad Max Fury Road, which we, she won an Oscar for. She creates things that are just incredible. Every costume in this film was extraordinary. It, every single one. It, it's amazing. There was a dedicated eyewear designer. So there was... Jenny Beaven or Baven, Beaven, I think. And then there, she was a costume designer. And then in addition to her, there was a dedicated eyewear designer. And then there's a whole team for hair and makeup and everything they do is spot on. I mean, like Cruella's hair in this is just wicked and it, it works so well. And the design behind every single one of the wigs and the hairstyles and the makeup being just really leans into this performance that Emma's giving as the character of Cruella. It really is awesome. I love the heck out of the costuming and, and hair and makeup. It, it's great. But I got to go back to the costuming because it's just remarkable. It, there's this one moment in the film that I'm going to talk about a little bit more when we get into spoilers, but it's really when Cruella is coming out for the first time and she keeps showing up at these fashion shows and is just constantly bombarding everyone with this great style. And during that film, I was just so excited for the next moment how is she going to show up? How is, what is the costume? What is she going to look like? What's the hair like? I was, I've never found myself excited to see what an actor would be wearing. And every costume that Cruella wears is just, it, it's just the best. I, every time she's on the screen, I'm paying attention to what she's wearing and it doesn't miss. And Emma totally rocks it as Cruella in every single one of these outfits. That definitely adds to it as well. Now, it seems like I'm really just like gushing a ton about this film but it's just genuinely because I was so surprised by how much I liked it. I mean, I knew I would enjoy it. I bought tickets because I knew it'd be worth it. I'm a simple man. I, I enjoy things. But I didn't think that I would like it this much, that I would immediately watch it, that I'd be willing to pay the, the premiere access fee on Disney Plus to watch it again with my family. And I'm probably going to watch it again in the short little while. Like it, It's just so entertaining. And, I, and I'm not alone in this. Everyone that I watched it with, Really just talked about how much we enjoyed it. I'll talk a bit more about it later. But so I want to round things out a little bit with some things that I didn't like, some not so good things, just to kind of even out the gushing that I'm giving. So without a doubt, the first thing that I have to mention is the bad CGI. Like, I mean, super bad. Like surprised it's in the final cut of the film bad. And it's probably just because of the amount, and especially in contrast to the great production and costuming and the design behind it and how great it is on screen. And then it's just jarring to see really poor VFX. And it's probably just a money thing. The amount of money that was devoted to things like production and costuming means that less money was devoted to VFX, which means 
less VFX artists with less time. So these poor VFX artists are being completely overworked and just didn't have the time to do great things. But it is, it's bad CGI. There's one particular scene that's just like, it's, it's horrible. Other times I did mention that the camera movement is great, but other times while being fun, it does overdo it once or twice. It is a bit much. Other things, the story does drag on a bit much, just barely for me. I know some people more so, but for me, it does a little bit. The pacing is great. I'm going to talk about it as a positive thing in a minute because every moment is so entertaining. I'm engaged all along. I really only noticed the, the pacing problems the second time around. And really, outside of Cruella, there isn't much of a character arc for anyone. It's just Cruella. They, they're mainly just pieces on Cruella's board. But then again, you come for Emma Stone as Cruella, so it's kind of expectable. But the way that the characters, even without arc, are still enjoyable works really well for the film. It, it is genuinely enjoyable. But I want to jump back to pacing, like I mentioned, because I do think that the pacing is, for the most part, really great. It sets the tone right from the get-go and really sticks with that tone, and it's really fun and really engaging. There are some moments that it really does slow down, so much so that at one point I thought the movie was going to end and I was going to be furious. Like, I was so nervous that every few seconds the film was going to end and I didn't want it to, but then it picks itself back up and wraps up the film in a super energetic, engaging way. Like the last hour of the film is just super fun. The beginning does drag on a little bit, but I really, really love the way that it really, once it gets going and hits its stride, it's it's great. It's captivating. And it ends, and you just feel like it's complete. It, it feels cohesive, and it's fun, and you feel rewarded for the journey that you've gone on. It doesn't sequel bait you needlessly, it tells a complete story to completion, and, and it's self-contained. But again, it's Disney, so it 100% leaves the door open for a sequel, which already has gone into production, and I'm totally buying tickets for it because I genuinely just want to see more Emma Stone as Cruella because she's that entertaining. This film is intended as entertainment, and everything is made to that end. It continually references the source material that ins- inspired it in the best way possible by doing it simply and quickly, making it fun. Even the liberties they've taken with the story and the character are taken to make Cruella as a character, as a performance more entertaining, but also a character who you can easily root for. And it works. By the end of it, you really are rooting for her to end up on top, so to speak. I found myself invested and wanting Cruella to be successful in what she's choosing. It it captures your intention and properly maintains it. I cannot recommend this film enough. It is simple and knows exactly what it's trying to do, entertain, and everyone involved in making it does a fantastic job at making bloody good entertainment. It, it's, I didn't have a better word to fit in there. It's just so great to enjoy. I was having a blast watching this film and walking out of the theater. People I was watching it really enjoyed it as well. So that was the super duper long two cents Thanks for sticking with me through that. Now, again, if you have not seen this film and you're wanting to avoid spoilers, this would normally be the section where you'd have to click away. But because it is a new film, we're going to keep it spoiler-free for a little bit longer. But don't worry, I will still let you know when there are spoilers because this is a great film to go enjoy and I can't recommend it enough. So super quickly, if you enjoy this episode or enjoy The Basement Binge, please go to podchaser.com slash Binge to leave a review. Podchaser is just a great site like the IMDb of podcasting where you can see all the production that goes into a podcast and see the individual episodes. You can listen to episodes on there, but uh, you can also rate the episode. You can rate the podcast as a whole 
or you can click on the individual episode and rate that episode. If you do, you're entered for a monthly screen pass that I give away through Movies Anywhere, which is just a way for me to share eligible movies that I have on my Movies Anywhere account for you to watch for free. So please read those reviews. It does help the show out a ton. Just, you know, leaves a little cookie for people to know that the show is worthwhile. And also boost my confidence and I really appreciate it. So again, it's in the show notes, but podchaser.com slash the basement binge. Let's move on to the next segment. Pick your poison. You know, you've listened to the basement binge. This is where we rank it with a weird ranking system made up to never watch it again. Stream it, right? If it's on a streaming service that you're already paying for, it can fill the hole of your content consumption and your entertainment that you need kind of mindlessly. Next above that is to rent it. You'd be willing to pay a few dollars to watch it under specific circumstances. And top of the list is to buy it. Watch it as many times as you can. No doubt, 100%, I'm buying this film. I know I will buy the Blu-ray when it goes on sale. I already paid for it on Disney+, Plus, so I'm going to watch it a bunch before the Blu-ray does come out. I also got some great news that if you're not on Disney+, Plus and you're interested in buying this film, Video On Demand, it is coming out near the end of June or the beginning of July. It's coming out way sooner than it normally would, so check for it on your Video On Demand very, very soon. But it's not going to come out to Blu-ray until like August, but still, I'm totally getting the Blu-ray, and I'm going to watch this film a lot. And not just like this year or the next year, like throughout my life, I know this is a film that I'll probably keep coming back to because it's super engaging and entertaining. Moving on to the next segment, Live Up. So because this is a new film, we're going to talk about my expectations going in and if the film was able to live up to those expectations. That's where this segment gets its name. Going in, I already mentioned this in the two cents, the entire idea was that I wanted to see Emma Stone as Cruella. That was it. I, I, there wasn't really another driving or motivating reason to go see this film. I, I'm not one of those individuals that's particularly devoted to the character of Cruella. I haven't seen a single version of a, a, the Dalmatian story with Cruella in years. I've seen them all, but I haven't seen them for years. And I had no idea that this film was real until this year, like a few weeks before the first trailer came out. And I thought it was like some great discovery. I was like, oh my gosh, Emma Stone's making a Cruella movie. Like that would be super cool when it comes out. And then a few weeks later, the trailer came out and I was like, wait, this is happening this year? So I didn't have too many ideas about it except for oh my gosh emma stone's acting as cruella i hope this is good and i hope it's fun blew those expectations away 100 percent delivered on what i expected and also so much more by being just super engaging and entertaining emma stone as cruella is everything you could want i've already talked about a ton but it's just going expecting to enjoy your performance because it is great you know i saw a review somewhere before the film even was released they're like oh my gosh i love post Oscar win mistakes. And I do not think that this is a mistake by Emma Stone by any means. I, I think this is a hundred percent her given a wicked performance with a super fun character. I'm, I'm just blown away. When we were walking out of the theater with my family, my younger sister told us all that this was her new favorite movie, like hands down, not like one of her favorites. This is her new favorite fil- film walking out of the theater, confidently said it. Later, as I rewatched it with my wife, with her family, she said that it's one of her new favorites. And her family, who's not huge into movies, like they rarely, rarely ever see movies, they were excited to see it based off what we said, and they all enjoyed it. We had like the whole family, the grandma and grandpa together. It was a blast. It, it is so fun to watch, especially with other people. It's, it's great to watch. This is definitely one of my favorites in its own way. Totally exceeded any expectation I could have had for it. Moving on to the next segment, binge points. We're going to keep the rest of this episode pretty short. Because that two cents was a lot longer than two minutes. 
So bench points, these are Easter eggs, details, hidden things, or behind the scenes things, or just fun things that I want to point out about the film that don't fit into the other segments. Now, this is where we are going to get into the spoilers. So if you haven't seen the film or you're wanting to avoid spoilers, this is where you pause, go watch the film because I know you'll enjoy it, and then come back and listen to the rest of the episode and leave a review on Podchaser. On to the spoilers. Here we go. There aren't many things about the film in regards to binge points. Most of them are the way that it references its own legacy and then the fun details about production, which I want to talk about. Going back to Jenny Baven, the costume designer. Again, I apologize if I'm saying her name wrong, but she did a great job with every single costume, but she created 277 costumes, 47 of them specifically for Cruella which is super interesting because this film is about Cruella being a fashion designer. There's multiple times throughout the film where we see Estella and Cruella drawing style, we, you know, creating fashion and, and creating, uh, they're not costumes, but, you know, creating a clothing fashion. I don't know how to say that. And I, it was interesting to watch that and, and see people and the characters having a creative desire for these things and designing it on a sketch pad and thinking like, how do people come up with this stuff? Like I put on pants or shorts and a shirt in the morning and yeah, I have some style to it. But like if you were to give me some fabric or you were giving me a piece of paper, I could not draw something that I haven't already seen. And it's so interesting to think about how people come up with engaging and exciting and stylized costumes and to be thinking about it in the movie while I'm being blown away by the costumes. Like 277 costumes that all look phenomenal. Almost 50 of them for one specific character. And every single one of them is killer. They're great costumes. I can't talk enough good about them. I, I mean, that sequence where Cruella keeps one-upping the Baroness. And costume after costume. She shows up in the most creative ways. And like the second it would start, I'm like, oh no, what's the costume? Like I was, I was excited to see the next costume. Which blew me away that I was excited about it, but I was. These costumes are that great. That's probably my favorite bench point. But my other favorite bench point, which is more referential to its own legacy, is Cruella's driving. I can see the frame like frozen in my brain from the cartoon with Cruella behind the wheel with both hands on the top of the wheel, like hunched forward, driving like a psycho, like swerving all over the road and like center frame in the camera, like moving towards it. That scene has perfectly translated into live action. And there's a scene of Cruella saying that she doesn't know how to drive and both hands are on top of the wheel and she's hunched forward and her hair is crazy driving like a psycho. Like, I can't believe that that's a thing. And I, it, I love it. Um, now, other things, of course, there's Dalmatians and Cruella's obsession with great design and with spots, particularly how she has blots on her ledger and how she kind of makes that a part of herself of being something that isn't generally accepted and is noticeably outlandish. Great character for her. Um, additionally, we have things like the Dalmatians really enjoying football or soccer, if you're from the States like me, on TV. Um, Roger being fired because of Cruella and him being a piano player. Alita Darling being a school friend of Cruella. Dogs looking like their owners. I mean, these are all things that have were a part of previous 101 Dalmatians films, whether it's that, that the cartoon or the two live action ones, 101 Dalmatians, 102 Dalmatians. You know, things like Cruella's living place, Hell Hall, Pongo and Perdita making an appearance in the mid-credits and which right before the credits, Horace, who's hilarious, says, 
has Genghis gained a bit of weight? Which I didn't realize Genghis is one of the Dalmatians who is a female that is pregnant. And that's why he says that she gained a bit of weight. And she gives birth to Pongo and Perdita, which Cruella then gives away to her friends. Other things like Cruella and Estella watching a scene from Lifeboat in the hotel with the actress Tallulah Bankhead, who was the real-life inspiration for the character of Cruella de Vil. And how you can assume in the movie that that scene that Estella watches inspires Cruella's laugh. It's just fun how it's so aware of the legacy that is the character of Cruella and how it references it in a way that's non-important but is fun. And if you recognize it, it's fun to recognize it. It's not like... In the movie, I'm in the theater. I'm watching this huge screen and Krell gets in this car and starts to drive away and she's hunched over behind the steering wheel like a psycho. And my mind immediately saw the frame from the cartoon. It was like, hey, that's the thing. And it was, it was fun. It was exciting to feel the engagement that that brought along. It was just genuinely entertaining. So those are all the binge points. Again, this is a newer film. And I also don't know that much about Cruella DeVille. So those are all the binge points that I had. But again, I'm just so impressed with the costume designer. 277 costumes, 47 just for Cruella, and they're all killer. Amazing, amazing work. She's already won herself the Oscar. I don't think there's ever going to be a film that can beat it, uh, especially this year. The costuming is amazing. Moving on to the next segment, keeping it brief here, lease and likes. And I don't mean to cheat. This is where we talk about my least favorite scene, my favorite scene. There isn't a single moment in this film that I don't like. I, I could talk about how the beginning with young Estella drags on a little bit. I could talk about how some moments with her mom are really weak. I could talk about the CG dogs that are really bad or the scene with Cruella falling over and having a parachute and how the CG is horrible. But besides those moments, it, it, it doesn't feel like one specific thing that's like, oh, I don't like this. It's just kind of how they feel a little bit overdone or not quite to the standard of the rest of the film. But there isn't a single moment where I'm like, oh, I dislike this. It's, oh, I dislike a specific thing about this, but for the most part, I enjoy it. If that makes any sense. And I'm, I'm, I'm like racking my brain right now as I talk, trying to think like, okay, come on, come up with one thing. The only thing I would say is maybe the beginning with young Estella, the, the, the actor, she is just so fun. She's super engaging and she has great eyes. I mean, what is with her eyes? But it, it does drag on a little bit, but it, at the same time, it's, it's fun, but it does feel a bit long. Moving on to the more important part, my favorite, and it is hard to pick one moment of the film that is my favorite because there are so many moments that I love. I've already t- talked a ton about the costumes And there's one scene that I'm going to talk about in Fall In that I really love where Emma Stone's performance is just just out of this world impressive. Because I'm going to talk about it in Fall In, I'm going to pick a different scene as my favorite. And it would be the middle of the film where Cruella, I already talked about this, keeps showing up with her new costumes and outdoing the Baroness. And not just the scenes where like Cruella shows up in a fun way, whether it's like saying she's the future and the Baroness is the past or showing up on a dump truck. like. Those specific like scenes are super fun, but the way that that goes into Estella and how Cruella slash Estella is p- playing off of the Baroness and this this play that they're having together, it's just 
it's fun. And the way that it continually escalates and builds on itself, that scene where the Baroness and Estella are in the restaurant and the Baroness is like, whether you have the killer instinct is a big question. Like it's just the costuming, the characters, the performances behind it, the writing, the the editing in those moments, the, the camera movement in those moments. It's just all so engaging and great to watch. So the showmanship of Cruella and the performances of both Emma's is just great to enjoy in that. And, and Cruella's showmanship is like one of the best things of the whole film. So lastly, we'll move on to the last segment, Fall In, which going into the film, I was surprised that there is a substantial thing for me to talk about with Fall In. So I've been talking a lot about this one scene where Emma's performance is just absolutely remarkable, where she really just captures your entire soul. And it's it's when Estella has been saved from the fire by Mark Strong's character and the valet. And she's told that she's a Baroness's daughter and she storms out, steals a mailman's motorbike and drives to the square wherever that she goes to have tea with her mom throughout the film and speak with her mother. And Estella is accepting herself as the Baroness's daughter and her true identity and almost accepting herself as Cruella while also accepting herself as the daughter of Catherine and the greatness that that dynamic gives her and the ridiculousness that that dynamic and this entire life story that she has had as an orphan to now this fashion showmanship thing that is supposedly now dead, you know, because of the fire. There's just so much leading up to this moment. And Emma's performance is, is just so engaging. You can't take your eyes off of what she's experiencing and the emotions that she portrays. She goes through so many things that I would never be able to do, but through personal acceptance and grief and mourning and excitement and fear, sadness, joy uh, of anger just it's all so much at once and particularly at the end where she tells Catherine her 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 adopted mother if you will that she loves her and that she always does and how that is in contrast to when she says I know that I was born brilliant born bad and a little bit mad and and how all that mixing together in one character and one performance just you, you can't not be engaged in that moment, including emotionally. And so what does this have to do with Fallen? What is the message or the meaning that I have to say about this? And I think that that is a great moment for everybody in life. We are all trying to make meaning of our own identity and our existence in this world in which we live. We're constantly shuffling and reevaluating the cards that we've been dealt our understanding of those cards that we've been dealt and how to play them and what it means is constantly changing and evolving. We're constantly understanding the game of life that we're living a little bit more and we're constantly understanding ourselves and our identity a little bit more. Now, I don't think that we'll have such an identity crisis that this Estella Cruella character goes on with her biological and and adopted mother and fashion and, and being a criminal and an orphan and so many things, but that's life we are constantly redefining ourselves and our identity, ultimately trying to be the best version of ourselves. That's what everybody is trying to do. 
And the understanding of how to do that is constantly changing. And whether you want to disagree that Cruella's decision to be, or Estella's decision to be Cruella is right or wrong is not the point. The point is that that's what we are all doing. We are doing, this is something that someone has told me recently, and I've been saying it a lot to myself. We have to look at ourselves and recognize I did the best that I could at that time with the knowledge that I had. Now, this isn't to justify anything that Cruella does, but more as a personal thing for us because we're not Cruella. I don't think that any of you listening to this are going to be some wicked person like the character of Cruella, even though she's more of an anti-hero in this film. The understanding of our identity is not that complex and our decision to move forward with this new understanding of ourselves is not that wicked and not that crazy. But continually doing better as we gain more information is what we're all doing here. And I think that it's why that moment is so engaging, not just because it's a great performance from an actor, but because it's a very personal and emotional performance. So keep finding out your identity. Keep understanding the cards you're dealt and what they mean and how to play them and do the best you can in every moment with the information that you have. Because that's life. And I had no idea that I would be able to talk about an actual meaning that I personally feel is extremely important and powerful about the film Cruella. I had no idea that I was going to like this film that much. That, that one moment that we just talked about in Fall In sure is really small and is dragging a lot out of one moment, but it's because that moment is so rich and is a bigger part of a story that is just ultimately engaging and entertaining. There is a reason that my mind has devoted the time and mental power to thinking and contemplating this film because I enjoyed it that much. I cannot recommend the film enough. If you've seen it already, you probably know what I mean. The performances alone and the costuming alone are worth all the mentions in the world. It is a blast. This episode was a little bit delayed because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't crazy when I came out of the theater and I was like, man, this is probably one of the best movies I've seen this year and will see this year. Like I was just, I was on cloud nine about this film and rewatching it. I saw that it was consistent. This is just really entertaining and engaging film that I really enjoyed. So thank you so much for listening. This was a great, really, really fun episode to type up and record, typing it up, listening to the soundtrack. It just got me. I, I want to go watch this film again. I, I really do. There's just something that I just, I really do love this film. Thank you for listening. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to gush about this film, this crazy film called Cruella. Thank you so much for listening to The Basement Binge. I really would appreciate it if you leave a review on Podchaser if you liked this episode. Once again, my name is Harrison. It's great to be saying these things again consistently. My name is Harrison. This is The Basement Binge. And that is all for now. Ciao, ciao.